Uh, for more on this, we're joined on the Harbor One Hotline by Brian Scalabrini. Makes his weekly appearance here on Jones and Mego. No Arcan today. He's brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh, and by John Sewer and Drain Cleaning, the name to know when your drains don't flow. Scal, how are we doing this week? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing great. I, I was somewhat encouraged, maybe even more so than Mego last night, about their shot selection. You know, they only made five threes, but they only took 22. And when a team is, you know, basically daring you and running you off the three-point line, I like that the Celtics are willing to beat teams in other ways. Can can we trust that they'll do that when it really matters in the playoffs? Like, if a team does that to them in the postseason, can we trust that they'll do that? Was that a sign of that last night? It's been a sign of that all season. They have the they go back and forth with the greatest offense in NBA history at 120.1, 120.5. So, I mean, don't we out now think with this team, with the addition of – Holiday roaming the dunker or Christoph Porzingis posting up, that they have so much more offensive balance than they did in the past. Like, can we put to bed the offensive team in the past? Why do we? I, I, I understand. I understand. You have to remember what happened two years ago in the finals and what happened last year. How exactly. Lived and died by the three. You have to think about that. But we got two incredible additions, and Derek White is playing. And by the way, I think you were the one driving home to me. Derek White, Derek White, Derek White last year. Yep. Now he's the guy. Like everyone, we have the best decision makers as a as a I, I call our six guys are the best decision makers of any six guys in the NBA. So I don't I don't I don't think that if the defense like we play Indiana, Indiana is a hard, we're gonna take away threes, we're gonna give up twos, we're gonna try to outscore you. And by the way, their offense is really good as well. But I have a feeling we could score sixty four points in the paint and get 34 free throws if we have to. So I'm wondering with last night's game, in particular is a jumping off point, but I think we've seen it a couple of times this season. Kristaps uh, Porzingis said something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, that, hey, there's, you know, they were playing defense in a way that it could have been a lot of fouls called. How do you think this team has embraced the challenge of maybe some less talented? I think we might have lost him. Megan. Oh, we just lost him. Yep, he didn't like your oh, question. Oh, dang. He was like, I don't hear from Porzingis. He's like, I'm out. He's like, I thought we were going, talking three-pointers. Maybe going through a tunnel? <laughs> Could be. I was talking to uh, my wife on the way home from uh, Quincy earlier today, and yeah, I, I I went through the tunnel. I lost her, so it could be was that. Was she checking on your hair? Uh, she was. She be said, uh, She said, did your hair? No, she, I, that wasn't her question whatsoever. She was just like, are you coming home to take out the dog? And I was like, no. Uh, but what was your question? We I have, we uh, have him back. We have Scal back on the line. I'm so, back. Chris, okay. Porzingis where we left off. Yes, okay, so Porzingis basically said, like, the way that, that the Sixers were playing defense last night, there could have been a lot of fouls called. It seems like there's this theme of teams that are missing guys or maybe just even less talented are m- trying to muck it up for the Celtics. Do you see that as any kind of uh, thing that could become a serious frustration in the playoffs, especially with less talented teams in the East that they might go against? Do you just look historically? Like I know I just said, let's look forward and let's not look back. But historically, there's this, there is this combination. This combination is incredible shot blocker, right? and a team that gets really physical and handsy with you on the perimeter. That conversation, that that combination has hurt us in the past. Now, this year, you could use, like, the Philadelphia 76ers with Embiid. I thought the Denver Nuggets did that to us. I thought the Golden State Warriors did that to us. And I thought the Minnesota Timberwolves did that to us. So there has been a few teams that get 
really physical on the perimeter, and I call it handsy. Handsy is different than physical. Physical is like um, they use their body. Our, our teams are like swipe. The teams that, that give us trouble, our teams are swipe. They use their hands. They slap down at the ball. I think P.J. Tucker, when he played for Milwaukee as a defender, like those type of players. So that has been a problem for us. But so far, we've been just okay against that type of defense. But I feel like we're better suited or if they switch and we can go inside and there's more driving lanes on the perimeter than what we were when we were playing five out. Talking to Brian Scalabrini. Uh, he joins us here for our weekly chat on Jones and Mego on WEEI. Let me ask you something, Scal. This has nothing to do with the Celtics. I'll just preface it. We've been talking a lot today about the Patriots and how poorly they did in the NFLPA's second annual team report card. You know, so 1,700 players were surveyed and they talk about things like facilities, weight rooms, uh, how the players' families are treated. I'm just curious from your experience in the NBA, like how much do players take notice on a road trip or, you know, playing for various teams? How much do you take notice of things like facilities, uh, locker rooms, how they treat your family? Like I'd imagine that's something that players talk extensively about, and I would imagine that's something that matters quite a bit to players at the end of the day. Well, I, I don't know your situation. Are you married? Yes. Okay. If your wife complains about something, is it like a big deal? <laughs> uh, if my wife does? I'm being honest. No, I mean, I'm it, being honest. It depends. If your wife complains like, this is, this, this is unacceptable, doesn't it become a big deal to you? Oh, yes. I mean, it, I mean at some point I'm going to tune her out. But, yes, in general, yes. It, it, it would yeah. be something that I have <laughs> to hear about right. and deal with, which is yes. <laughs> so I, I'm sure, like, players don't care about the, uh, the – um, the food in the food room, it's at minor cost to, like, to do all that stuff. I'm not sure the Patriots' philosophy on that stuff. I'm really not. I don't know. But I just know that usually, like, there are some people that are really outspoken about, like, the players' families and what they need, what they get, and taking care of them and all that. And they don't – every team doesn't want the player to be upset at the team, no matter what. That is – relatively new since I got in the league it started changing and it's like at its highest point right now so scout uh looking at some of the games that are coming up you've got the Warriors you got the Nuggets and you got the Suns and that's all in about a week one week span we keep talking on our show about the teams out west and who you might see in the finals and how scary the talent is out there when you look at those three matchups who scares you the most for the matchup for the Celtics? Easy, Nuggets, Nuggets. They got the guy. Like, that dude is so hard to stop. You can't double him. He can operate at the low post. He can operate at the high post. He can hit you for three. His two-man game with Murray at the end of a game is incredible. So they, they, they have the guy. So I would think, to me, the Nuggets are the scariest team out west. Now, I get it. Like, we've had our trouble with the Warriors in the past, so I get that side of it. Um, you know, they, they can do some things. They're playing better basketball. But when I look at when we go to the finals, it's like it's the Nuggets. That's the team that – and we don't – at this point, we have Porzingis, we have Al Horford, but typically you don't have a pretty good a good answer for Nikola Jokic. The whole entire NBA over the course of a seven-game series – it doesn't seem like they have an answer for Nikola Jokic. It, does it blow your mind at all? Like, I, I still feel this way watching Jokic, and I now acknowledge I, I was resistant to this, but I now acknowledge he's the best player in the league. But he just, he looks like a sack of mashed potatoes out there. Like, I, st I still don't get, 
how he's the best player in the sport. That still boggles my mind. Yeah, I think if you if you spend a lot of times in gyms, like working kids out and and working like players out, you'll know like the, the the best players in the world, the best players in the world can move their bodies through contact. So he could put his body on you and he could dictate where you need to go. The, the, like some of the players that really could struggle in the NBA are the players that have a really hard time of playing through contact. Jokic is the best. He likes contact, initiates contact. He could pin you with contact, and he can make plays out of it. He's never overwhelmed by that contact. So, so there's a lot of things that come into play with that. But if he was soft, like he couldn't move with, with his shoulder on your chest, he would not be the best player in the world. He'd be far from it. But the fact that he literally does not care if you were on his body and he can move you around and take you underneath and, and shoot a jump hook right over you like you're not even there, that is Scow? Oh, man. Is he coming back? Scow's going into the dead zones. Yeah, he might be going into the dead zone. Man, I had a really great question for him next. What was it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We got to get him back. Honestly, though. that's the best answer I've heard on Jokic. Like I ask this all the time. I'm like, how is he? How is he dominant? Okay, I'm sorry, Scal's back. Uh, Scal, I I think that that's a great answer on Jokic because I've wondered that. I I've not heard that answer specifically. Mego had a question for you though. Okay, yeah. Scal, real quick. Um, because guys like Jones had very little respect for Jokic yes. until he finally won the championship, Correct. even though he had MVPs. Uh, how much would it elevate Tatum's status? league-wide uh, for other media watchers and everything when he wins a championship? Yeah, I think you're, you're in a different category. And he's been there a lot. He fell short a lot. It, it, I don't – I know it's like it has nothing to do – this season has nothing to do with whether you win a championship. It's a regular season award. But it's just it's not how the media works. If, if Tatum wins a championship, if he dominates the finals the way that he could – then yeah, like Tatum would be considered a very different player moving forward. And I get, and I have experienced this when teams do well or players do well in the finals, they come back and they're even on a completely different level. So I think the championship is serious validation, but I also think that Jason Tatum will be a different player if the Celtics go on and win a championship this year. All right, he's Brian Scalabrini. He joins us each and every Wednesday here on Jones and Mego on WEEI. Scal, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, sounds good. See you. All right. Brian Scalabrini, as all our guests, joins us on the Harbor One hotline. Where do we think he's driving right now? Because we've caught him on the tractor before. You yeah, know, like he's, he's losing service. I mean, he Where was definitely in the world in the car. is Brian Scalabrini? My, my headphones have not worked well all week, uh, not to go full baby NFL player, but my headphones have not worked well all week. That came through very clear that he's, uh, he's clearly driving somewhere uh, beyond him dropping a couple of times. But look, the Jokic answer, I think, is good. All right, fine. He might not be in the best shape. But contact doesn't bother him. Okay, good. I can wrap my head around that. I'm also happy that he's giving me credit retroactively for my Derek White take. I'm he remembers. That. That, he does you were remember. Early, that, you were early on that. It was a tough one to back at the time, but I think this entire show was saying, well, Derek White was so good that one week Marcus Smart was out. He ended up winning Defensive Player of, of the Week. Yeah, not, start not the this man. this entire show. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's better than Marcus Smart. That's the people just... who know basketball, I'm sorry, <laughs> Michael, you're right. The people who know basketball on the show said Derek White should be starting over Marcus Smart. Right. Just a year ago, I didn't know the league, and now I now it's we, we all agree that Derek White is better than Marcus Smart. Jones, good. your podcast, by the way, Slammed, has been phenomenal. I never miss <laughs> an installment. Jones Mego, it's is really not, good. Jones is 
not on my podcast. What? Yeah, when am I coming on? When do I get to make it? No, your podcast yeah, is I, just you're, a tip you're, you're dying to do extra. Do I, work. When do I get? When do I get to make an appearance <laughs> on the podcast? Uh, that was Brian Scalabrini, as we told you. He joins us every Wednesday, sometimes 4.30, sometimes 4 o'clock. We're never really sure. Uh, you can check that out on the Odyssey app if you missed any of it. Uh, use the Rewind feature. Check that out. We'll get back to our big question of the day. Uh, what's your takeaway from the NFLPA survey, especially with free agency around the corner? Will this impact the Patriots? I think it will. We'll get to it right after Trending with Ryan Garvey.